Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Okay. I think we're recording. Mm, so put your phone down. Hey. Hi. So we are coming to you live from, where are we, Randy? I you know I always throw it over to you when I don't know when you where, don't know where, when I don't know where well, the I call it are, Baltimore. You probably call it something else. Baltimore. This is your side. Baltimore. Of, this is your side of the situation. <laughs> We're up by BWI Airport at the um, Hilton Double Tree by Hilton. Yep. 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 Well, it's Hilton. Not relevant. <laughs> nope. Okay. So we are up by BWI Airport. Is the Friday night before the OCB Chesapeake Classic, where we have eleven competitors mm-hmm. in the show. And they were all just in here. They were all just in here. And it's a little later than we planned to podcast. So I don't know how this is going to go. (laughs) But it was nice. Everybody's super excited. Yes. Big show. Promoters doing everything they can to make it safe. Yes. I mean. Safe, happy, and healthy. Everybody was excited. The girls have so much, so much energy. A lot of first time competitors. It's been a long time since I've seen that much energy. In fact, I don't have that much energy. Well, you know what? We just all (laughs) sit in here like laughing so hard. I thought I was going to die. I really was. I was laughing. I so can't even hard. tell you what we were laughing about because all stupid stuff. But it was, it was Rolita. It was all Rolita. Was I'm good. pretty sure we were all laughing, Man. because Rolita was driving. Lots of fun. Up. So anyway, there so, you have yeah, it. That's where we are. Oh, it says we're too loud. Oh, I hate that when that happens. That's okay. I am paying for the editing now okay. on um, when we when we load our things. All right. So actually, to get down to business, this is the kickoff of season two. Yes. Which is very, very exciting. It's very exciting. And our empowerment project. Yes. Yep. And we're going to kick off with our first story. Um, But do we have anything else to talk about before we actually launch Lindsay's story? Um, Is there anything else going on? Let's see. Besides the show tomorrow? Uh, no. Okay, so Randy's like, uh, no, because we just spent the last couple hours right. talking. And everything in my mind, I'm like, nope, nobody cares nope. about that. Nope, nobody cares about that. Nope, nobody's interested in that. All right, so in last week's podcast, we taught, we, we said we were going to kick off a new project where we had uh, our listeners uh, tell their stories. And when I went back and listened, because I know you don't listen, Brandy, but when I went back back and listened, you so you you said things very you know eloquently that Probably you know did. I don't have to re-listen to it. It was know that. I know because you say you listen the first <laughs> time, and I said that's not really what that means. Talking doesn't mean listening. <laughs> um, but you know, you said you know everybody's got a story because so many pe- so many people are going to sit around and say. I don't have a story. You even used yourself as an example. Right. I don't have a story. Nobody cares about, you know, anything I've done. Mm-hmm. And I know I care. Like, you know, I think you've, you've got some, like, shit that, like, people would be really interested in. Um, but, like, like the police. And I share, <laughs> I share too much. Um, people are like, stop telling stories. <laughs> Please, we don't want any more of your stories. Um, but we want to hear other empowerment stories. And that's really what... Um, this is about. So, uh, we've asked several of our clients because mm-hmm. we know specifically many of our clients have really mm-hmm. good stories to tell. I think some are a little nervous about it. They don't really know what to share. Um, but I asked Lindsay yeah. and she was like, hell yeah, I'm on it. And it was like, when do you want it? And it was like to me the next day. Yeah. And it was exact. I mean, honestly, exactly what I mean, we it, wanted. It's fantastic. I didn't know really what it was hard, right. To really kind of say, well, I was kind of, I really kind of gave her some parameters and I was like, well, this is kind of what we want, yeah. right? Like, just literally, just kind of like tell what you've gleaned from your experience, not necessarily just with us, but I do think she, you know, having been working with her for a while, I think some of it has come from that, but her journey is so much more than just having right. worked with us. Um, so, really, I was just like, really, just go for it. I didn't right. know what to expect. Um, and although I should have, cause she's so, she, she's very anal. Everything's very, you know, I was like, I probably should have known, like it was going to be like really good. Um, but yeah, I was just, I, when I, when I listened to it, it was, it was exactly what yeah. I had in mind. And I think you too, I yeah. think you were kind of pleasantly surprised cause I don't think either one of us knew exactly what we were asking for yet. Well, I just, I think it's so powerful for people to give their first hand accounts and almost to do it in a free flow fashion, right? If you just sit down with somebody and just kind of like impromptu what just happened in this hotel room where you end up just having a conversation with somebody 
and like sharing a part of your story or your journey. And sometimes you're processing it as you're telling it. Um, and that's, that can be really impactful to hear. And it's also amazing how many different things people can take away, right? Because even mm-hmm. just as you and I were sitting here talking about what you got out of restoring what I got, we took two different, two different aspects of what um, resonated away. So anyway, excited to bring these stories, hope to bring a lot more. Do you want to give like a 10-second background on Lindsay, like age, whatever, relevant information? <laughs> um, I'll give that in the next segment because i got to look up my notes. <laughs> and I think she might actually start with it. But... Um, no, she, she's a, she's a younger girl. I just, I don't I think she's have, I have 20, in my notes exactly how old she is. 25. She's, yeah. She's in her twenties. Um, you know, she's been an athlete her whole life and she'll, she'll tell you that in her story. Um, but you know how she, she came to me very broken, having competed, um, in bodybuilding a couple of times. Um, ending up with an autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily caused by bodybuilding, but, um, I think I can kind of get into that a little bit because I have my own theories on, um, autoimmune disease and bodybuilding from my own experience and from what I've seen in other competitors. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but she's a young girl and I will tell you, she's got, I, I actually watched her compete the very first time she competed on stage and won her pro card. I was in New Jersey when she competed and I remember thinking, Damn that! I mean, like, wow, yeah, wow, 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 physique, wow, physique wise, wow. Right. Um, and it wasn't until um, a year or so later mm-hmm. that she contacted me, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I remember, I saw you on stage, and um, so yeah, so that's kind of yeah. where that went. So we'll let Lindsay tell her story, yeah. and then we'll um, meet you guys back here. We'll meet you guys back, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Bye, bye, or not bye. See you later. What's up, everyone? Um, first of all, I just wanted to thank Tina and Brandy for giving me the opportunity to share with you guys my story. Um, but before we get into like all those details, I just kind of wanted to give you um, a background on myself. So my name is Lindsay. I'm 25, and I've been working with Tina since November of last year. So coming up on almost a full year. And just a little bit of background for me and how I got into kind of, I guess, fitness in general, specifically competing, is throughout my life I was an athlete. Um, I played softball up until college, throughout college. Highly competitive, highly dedicated, like softball was my thing. With that, we would always be, you know, working out in the weight room, eating pretty healthy, just kind of staying in shape, you know, for the idea of being the best we could at that sport. So my senior year of college, I guess, was when I really, really started getting into fitness. Um, I ended, you know, ended senior year with really, really great accolades. Um, I was player of the year. I had broken two school records and I was ranked top 10 in the nation. So I finished my athletic career uh, as as good as I could have hoped on a really, really high note. Um, and after that, I kind of, you know, spent the summer thinking, like, what's next for me? You know, what's my next goal? What's my next hurdle to kind of take on? And since I was always into fitness and, you know, started my career personal training, I was surrounded by a lot of people that had competed or were training or just into that lifestyle. So I kind of thought, hey, might as well give this a shot, right? You know, softball was done, so I wanted to set that that next standard for myself. So I thought, you know, for a while going back and forth, should I compete, should I not? You know, you always hear like horror stories of, you know, what happens before and after, but then you also hear great stories. Um, and it was something, I guess I kind of put on my bucket list that I always wanted to do. So I figured while I'm, I'm young, you know, now is the time. So with that, I, I have some notes here just so I stay on track, but in June, July of 2018, I started prep for my first natural show. Um, it was a quick, like eight week 
dive in, dive out prep. And I stepped on stage for the first time that September. Um, I, I won, I competed in figure and physique. I received my pro card and, you know, after that lived life, reversed somewhat, had that improvement season. And I kind of was like, wow, I want to do this again. Right. So I had, I had a great experience. It really tested me a lot. Um, so I wanted to give it another shot and compete as a pro in that, in that division. So I started my next prep of, you know, for, to step on stage for my first pro show in January of 2019. So much, much longer prep this time. Come May, that was when the show was, um, I won, you know, first in the, the pro figure category. Amazing experience, um, amazing show day, just really, really fell in love with the sport. Um, I think it taught me kind of still being young when I did the whole prep thing and competing. I think it, it made me grow up a lot. Um, it made me become more responsible for myself, more regimented, definitely more disciplined. And I just really loved the idea of having that end goal, something to work towards and challenge myself. So again, both shows um, were great experiences and both preps honestly weren't, weren't too bad. Um, you know, for the most part, without going into too much of the, the details there, cardio never went super low, food in retrospect never went super low. Um, I guess I was kind of lucky in that aspect. There was definitely, definitely hard days, um, especially, you know, working as a personal trainer, then working out, all of that. But all in all, it was a great experience. So what I kind of think is the hardest part of any prep is after the prep. And that really rung true. All right. So now we're kind of getting into the, the down, the downhill moments. So. You know, that summer I was kind of living my best life, going to the shore on the weekends, you know, still staying pretty regimented Monday through Friday. But then the weekends I would go off the wall, like I would always call them cheap days, cheap weekends, eating, drinking, um, all of that, you know, because I was like, oh, like my show's done. I'm good. I'm living my best life for once. In fall of 2019, um, I started to really, really feel bad. So I want to, I have notes here, but I kind of just want to give it a rundown and not go into too much like nitty gritty. But fall of 2019, I started chronically feeling just completely wiped out. Not like sleepy, oh, I'm tired, but just like hard to get out of bed in the morning type of fatigued. Um, my body just felt off. Like my face started getting kind of puffy. Um, I was still pretty lean that summer and I, it was like within a two week period, I kind of just felt like I, I ballooned up, um, super achy, lethargic, fatigued. Also had a lot of like spinal pain, um, from the base of my skull down to my tailbone. So I was like, wow, this is super, super weird. Didn't think much of it. Mid-September, um, I was kind of like, all right, this is enough. So- something's definitely off. You know, throughout the preps, you kind of become really, really in tune with your own body and how it operates. And I just knew something was wrong. So got a bunch of blood tests um, and doctor comes back and goes, oh, you have mono. It's like, huh that's weird. Didn't have a sore throat or anything like that. So they're like laying, you know, they're like, take off work. Don't work out. Just, just chill and you'll get better. So I took a week off, maybe kind of was like, maybe, maybe that's all this is. Um, but I started to feel worse and worse and worse. And it wasn't the type of thing where, uh, like you have a sore throat, you just need some rest. It was like a, a full body, just like, inflammation. My just, my body felt so off. 
Um, so throughout fall, I was seen by both traditional and integrative medical doctors. So what that means for, you know, anyone who's kind of unfamiliar, there's doctors that do like the traditional medicine thing. And then there's more like natural neuropathic doctors that kind of look for environmental lifestyle factors as the root of disease and illness. So we were pretty much trying everything. Eventually, after many, many doctor's appointments, many blood tests, kind of telling, you know, these these grown adults, you know, I was 24 at the time, like, I just feel off. They kind of looked at me and were like, well, you're happy and you're healthy and you look great. You're fine, right? Because I didn't look, quote unquote, sick. Eventually, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease um, called mixed connective tissue disease. And for anyone that doesn't know too much about it, it's pretty much in the same realm of lupus. So with autoimmune, everyone has different reactions and different experiences with it. But usually the underlying um, issue, I guess, per se, is systemic, systemic like inflammation, like you sometimes can't lose weight, you feel lethargic, tired, your body doesn't respond how it usually does or how you want it to. It's an extremely frustrating disease to have, especially because from the outside, you still look good. You still look healthy by, you know, the average standard. So, they found this through, you know, blood tests. Right now I get blood tests every two to three months. It showed positive ANAs, elevated liver enzymes. And even a year later, um, my EBV, which is the monomarker, is still positive. So needless to say, it's super frustrating and you can't out-diet or out-exercise this. Some things that have helped um, were the natural treatment routes and traditional meds. But the thing with autoimmune is it pretty much is a lifelong illness. Like it's something that you don't take meds and get rid of. It's not something that you can control or really predict. You can do your best at managing it, but that's pretty much all that it will be is managing your symptoms. Um, and there's things called flare-ups, which is, you know, it can be a few days or a few weeks, sometimes even a month or two of kind of the autoimmune coming to surface is the best way I can describe it, where you're kind of maybe operating at like 80, 85% on cruise control. And then all of a sudden, could be something you ate, something you did, um, if you overexerted yourself, if you didn't listen to your body and rest, outside stressors. I mean, there's a million things that can cause what we call a flare-up, which is kind of you operate from 80%. And when I get flare-ups, guys, I'm like 15%. I mean, I'm on the sofa. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm really just trying to sleep the days away. Um, and it's something that kind of being so young, like I never really thought I would have to experience, but this kind of gets me to where I want to talk about my past year, you know, managing and controlling this. So now that you guys kind of know some background from all of fall 2019, like from, I would say, end of August to like November, I mean, the autoimmune was kind of at its worst, I would say. And I was extremely like depressed because of it. Um, I really, really isolated myself from my friends and my family just because I, I hated what my body was doing. Um, and I was, I was kind of, I guess, mad at myself. I kind of thought like, how how does this happen? Like, what did you do wrong? Where did you go wrong? Um, I was really mad at myself and just, you know, I would come home from work, which I was, you know, working as a trainer 
and just completely crash. Um, I would sleep, wouldn't really go out on the weekends anymore, kind of would just ignore texts from friends and family, really just got in uh, not a good mental space. Um, and while I was feeling this way, though, the funny thing is I was still in the gym seven days a week for hours and hours um, a day, you know, I thought, you know what, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to out exercise or out diet. What is going on with my body, which in hindsight, you know, just made everything 10 times worse. So, you know, I'm feeling, feeling like crap, to be honest. Um, I would go to the gym, spend two to three hours there, just pretty much beating my body into a pulp. Um, coming home, sleeping the day and night away. And then I would just do that on repeat. So my diet at the time or whatever, it wasn't necessarily a diet. It was more of like a reverse. Um, Monday through Friday, I was perfect. You know, tracked every single macro. There was no deviations. There was no dinners or lunches. You know, there was no almond milk in my coffee, guys. Like that's how regimented I took this Monday through Friday diet. The weekends, though, again, uh, different story. I would have, again, I know we don't call them cheat days, but that's the mind frame I had going into it. So every Saturday, I would wake up and say, all right, this is my cheat day. What can I eat? Eating everything in sight, overeating, um, eating to the point where I was like sick and feeling feeling gross. Because I thought, oh, this is this is when I have to get all my fun food in. Because Sunday morning when I wake up, I'm going back on track. So it really just started of this vicious cycle of feeling horrible, not knowing what was wrong, not knowing what to do about it, and therefore just doing more and more work in the gym and going more and more off the rails on the weekend. So finally, I decided this is enough. I'm spinning my wheels like I don't even know what to do at this point. I just need I need a second pair of eyes. I need somebody that can kind of guide me through this because it's definitely hard to implement, you know, training and nutrition yourself. Right. So just from the uh, competitive circuit, I had known some of uh, Tina's clients and you know, had looked on her, the website a few times and kind of, I really just liked what I, what I saw. And I also did know that she had an autoimmune disease. So I thought, all right, perfect. Like what better person to kind of reach out to and just see what they have to say. You know, maybe they have some pointers or some ideas. Um, so November, 2019, I reached out, you know, did the whole intake form, just really, really went into detail about medical history, what I was experiencing, what my preps were like, my mental, my mental food focus, um, my irrational training. Got all set up with Tina um, right in the beginning of December. So right before the holidays, um, we kind of devised a plan. So with that, like one thing that I really, really want to talk about is just the mindset, because it's something that before this autoimmune and before Tina, I've never really like thought about too much. Like I always thought more was better. Right. And then throughout this past year, I feel like I've completely matured in the aspect that more isn't better. Better is better. So a few things that have really improved um is my relationship with food. So like I had said, I would be super strict during the week and then, you know, Saturday would come and it was a complete free-for-all. It was eating as much as I humanly can because in my head I felt this is my day. This is my one day to eat and, and drink whatever I wanted. It was such an all-or-nothing mentality. And I know maybe most people listening to this kind of know what I talk, what I'm talking about. I would go out for dinner and since I was quote unquote off plan or messed up, that eating would just continue into the night. Um, just anything I could get my hands on because I figured, well, mine as well. Today's the day. So 
the first thing we worked on, one of the first tasks um, that I did was I tracked my food during the week. And then I also tracked it during one of these like cheat days. I honestly wasn't expecting it to be that bad. I looked at what I had one Saturday night on my fitness pal and I literally was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is scary. I would say the calories that I ate in one like Saturday night was probably maybe three to four days worth of my total caloric like intake. It was absolutely insane. Um, and one thing that I know her and Brandy always preach is even though you're, you don't track it, your body tracks it. And my body was definitely tracking these cheat days. So one thing that has really been better, and I'm still working on it definitely, but it's much better is kind of knowing that moderation really is key. Um, not to have such an all or nothing mentality. There's no such thing as like cheat days. There's eating an untracked meal or going out with friends or family to eat. Just changing the words I use has made such a big difference in the way I mentally approach, you know, these these different foods, these different meals. Again, it's still a struggle but it's definitely much better. Some strategies that I've just been working on is not always getting the wine, the appetizer, the sides, the dinner, the dessert, the dessert back at the house, right? Just picking maybe one or two things that I really, really want to try and stopping when I'm full. It's okay to leave food on the plate. Um, so Again, that's just a, a lifelong thing. I think many competitors or many people in you know the fitness like industry are always going to have to work on, but it's definitely been such a big help knowing that it's okay to go out to lunch on a random Tuesday. Um, so things like that, I think just viewing food not as like and so so all or nothing um, has been a huge help. So another thing that I wanted to share that I think would be super, super interesting, especially since I'm assuming like many of the listeners are into fitness or competing or just interested in all that is, like I said, um, both my preps up until, you know, last November were six, seven days a week, um, lots of cardio, lots of volume, more is better. Um, just kind of trying to beat my body down, not necessarily build it. And when you have autoimmune, you don't recover well at all. Um, I want to use this as an example. So recording this on a Sunday, Friday, I had a very, very long morning at work with clients. Again, I'm a, a group fitness instructor, personal trainer. So I had that all morning. Then I had a few errands to run. Then I had a workout that I did on myself, um, and then I went out to dinner Friday night with some girlfriends. So to the normal person, that sounds like a great day. For me, that's a lot of effort and a lot of energy expended in that one day that you don't necessarily recover from. So with autoimmune, you have like systemic inflammation, so especially during a flare-up. So when you work out, you also cause inflammation in your body. That's the good kind of inflammation that we want. But if you put too much of that good kind on top of that autoimmune bad kind, it's a recipe for disaster. So like last November, December, I started with Tina probably around 165. Um, probably still doing cardio every single day. Um, wasn't on prep or anything. You know, tracking my food during the week, eating whatever on the weekends, and two to three hours in the gym. I didn't take rest days, even when I was feeling horrible. No such thing as rest days for me. But since this past year, um, without really honestly trying to, like, drop weight or anything like that, um, my body my body weight's gone down to the lowest of, like, 135 
So again, guys, this was like a lot of inflammation, a lot of fatigue buildup, and definitely body fat buildup from the way I was approaching food. So one of the cool things about my program, and I swear this is something I probably will want to use for the rest of my life, is it's a very, very low volume approach with high intensity. So my recovery capabilities aren't what the average person is. And if I do too much volume in a workout, so like, I don't know, uh, like four sets of like 12 for four or five or six different exercises, that's like way too much for me. That will take me out for a week. So Tina has helped me with my programming. Um, We do a very low volume, high intensity approach. So it's literally four exercises Two like workup sets, one top set with an intensity technique like a rest pause, myo reps, time under tension, or drop sets. And I've absolutely loved this training. It really makes you realize that more isn't better. I go into my training, you know, focusing on doing the best I can. I keep a log book of like all my lifts as well as how I feel that day. Because with autoimmune, how you feel each day can vary. Some days I wake up and I feel like amazing. Other days I wake up and I'm like, "Mm, today's going to be a tough day. So just kind of writing down how I feel, as well as keeping track of my workouts, like how many sets and reps and the weight I used has been a huge help. Another thing with the autoimmune that I have is it really seems to affect my spinal cord, like my my back pretty much. So whenever I feel like my back is starting to act up or I'm flared up in my check-ins, me and Tina always communicate and she's really programmed it so that every other workout, I do an exercise that loads my lower back. So maybe one day I have RDLs and then the next workout I have glute bridges. Then the next workout I'll have a leg press or some other variation like that. That way we're not overloading my back because that seems to cause flare-ups. So it's been really a great experience to kind of just scale everything back and get the best results I feel like I have. Even throughout quarantine, I was lucky enough to kind of set up a gym in my garage and I made honestly the most progress in those few months that I think I have in my entire life. Pretty much no cardio. Um, I work out maybe four days a week. It's super, super low volume and the inflammation just goes down and down and down because of it. So with that, I think that physically, I just feel so much better, like having a plan that I know that I'm capable of doing before I would go into the gym and, you know, drive myself crazy thinking, what should I do? How much should I do? I don't know how should I go heavy? Should I go light? Having this set plan is seriously a godsend. I go in. I know what I need to do, I get in, I work as hard as I can, and I get out, giving me a lot of time to recover between workouts. And feeling like you can do what you love, and I love training, feeling like you can still do it and do it well, not only physically, obviously, of course, changes your body, but I feel like mentally and emotionally, like, has saved me, right? Because when I first got diagnosed, I was like, wow, like I might not ever be able to get quote unquote in shape again. Um, I might not ever be able to walk into a gym and have a good workout again, right? It's like a new body. It's a new lifestyle. Um, but luckily this past year, we've kind of figured out what works and what doesn't. And we've altered sometimes on a week-to-week basis as needed um, to help me with recovery and just to progress in that way. So I don't want to ramble on too much, um, but I kind of wanted to give you just an overall viewpoint of like autoimmune and 
and the effects it does have on somebody, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally, and some ways that I personally found with the help of Tina to to combat that. Um, another cool thing, side note, I just want to say, because I know most of you listeners may be able to appreciate this, but um, I'm like 5'7", so, you know, I can I can eat. I like food, right? Um, my last quote-unquote improvement season, I think from then until now, we've like probably doubled my food. So without like going into numbers, but I think that's just a super cool like side note. Um, even my friends like that know like macros and all that that are like into the fitness competing thing as well. When I tell them how much I'm I'm eating, they're like, oh my gosh, wow. So with that, it's kind of just like trusting the process. Um, the improvement season, whether you choose to compete or not, I feel like building that like the metabolism back up for me has been huge. Um, and I think that's just something like super cool that I wanted to include that my food's probably now doubled what it, what it has been might even be like doubled and a half or tripled. Um, and even during the autoimmune, like my body seems to be responding really, really well to the increase in food and the, the low training volume. So, with that, um, I just kind of wanted to wrap everything up, but, you know, I wanted to thank Tina and Brandy again for having, you know, me share my story, and I hope that this helps maybe somebody somewhere in some type of way, um, but that's that's all I have for now, so hope everyone has awesome training, and I'm looking forward to uh, hearing this. So that was Lindsay's story. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it takes, I get it. I think it takes a lot of strength to share your story, mm-hmm. right? Because first you have to process process it yourself. And that alone, I think that's what keeps a lot of people, that probably what keeps me from sharing most of my stories is I don't feel like doing the hard work of processing it all mentally myself. So just having the wherewithal to take a step back and look at, your journey and say, this is what happened. And this is what I think I did in the moment. And here's what I would do different. And here's what I did wrong. And here's what I've learned. I think that that is so enormous to be able to do. It is. And, and I'll tell you that, you know, having worked with Lindsay, uh, for the last year, cause I think we started together around last December. Um, and, She's still learning, right? We literally just, I mean, you you guys heard her story and we'll kind of try to uh, talk a little bit, analyze it a little bit. um, And maybe I'll try to fill in a little bit about what we did specifically. Um, And, but, you know, we recently had a little blip, right? So she talked about binge eating. Mm -hmm. Um, She talked about her relationship with food. Um, she talked about the more is better, mm-hmm. um, concept, um, kind of beating herself down. Yeah. Um, and you know, beyond the fact that she has an autoimmune, so we're right. talk about that a little bit. Um, but more is not better regardless of whether or not right. you have an autoimmune. Um, but you know, she had a little, this is a, this is an ongoing journey for her. This isn't, so her telling her story does not mean Hey, whoop, whoop, you know, let me just like brush my hands off. I'm done. Like, I solved I'm it. We're finished. good. We're solved. I'm good. Yeah. Um, you know, we still have work to do, but she's working. What she told in her story is authentic and it's real and it's raw. And, um, and she's still working through it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There were, there were a couple of things as I listened to it that maybe other people came across like, when it starts talking about the medical diagnosis and all of this and doctors giving the wrong diagnosis and thinking it's one thing and it's still not being fixed, and man, I just start to cringe because that situation sucks. And I feel like so many people go through that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, listen, I have my own thing with doctors, right? Yeah. Like we, you and Avoidance I have, is not right. a medical strategy, like, Brandy. <laughs> I went to the doctor once to get in the military, twice to have two babies. What else do you want from me? <laughs> but so, but it's just, it's so difficult. And I hear so many people having the same story of, 
you know, I know there's something wrong with me because I ha- I know my body, but I'm going to the doctor and they're telling me it's this, or they're telling me I'm fine, or they're mm-hmm. telling me whatever. And I know that's not really the answer, but you have to accept it. And it's just such, I mean, you went through that. Mm-hmm. It's such a hard place to be. And it's a long period of time, like years that you can stay in this limbo. Yep. So listening to her talk about that just made me cringe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, from my own personal experience, I mean, it took what feels like you know, it's hard for me to even go back and like really nail down the number of years because I just, a lot. I battled a lot of, you know, because really it stems back to the, you know, all the orthopedic surgeries I had and me just thinking, this isn't normal. This isn't right. Mm-hmm. I know other body, you know, everybody's right. like, oh, because you're a bodybuilder, you're tearing, you know, this is what's happening. And I'm like, no, I know lots of bodybuilders. Yeah. This doesn't make any right. sense. Um, you know, so it was years and years and years of me doing my own research, me pushing, like something isn't right. Like I know my body, this isn't normal, but it, there are just so many people that don't, right? Like they're just like, okay, well, I guess I'm crazy or okay. Well, I guess that's, you know, the doctors say, um, but you know, not, it's exhausting. It's, it's exhausting. Um, but you know what? So like Lindsay talked about in her story, you know, so she's always been an athlete. Um, she got into bodybuilding and I remember seeing her at her first show and I remember thinking, wow, like what an amazing physique. And she won. She was gorgeous on stage. She's a young girl. She's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and a beautiful physique. Um, you could tell just the athletic body, right. That had been that way. Um, and so, uh, when she reached out to me, um, I was surprised because we hadn't really never communicated. Like I remember seeing her at the show, but I didn't know her personally. And, um, she reached out to me. Um, I guess it was a year and a half, maybe going on two years after her very first show, but she had then also competed in a pro show. She won a pro card in her first competition and then competed, um, as a pro and won smaller, smaller shows. But honestly, you know, she had a great physique, so I wouldn't say it wasn't deservedly so. Um, and she was telling me how, you know, after that show and her reverse didn't go so well. And then she found out she had mono and she found out she Mm -hmm. had lupus. And so she specifically reached out to me because I guess she was following me on social media and she knew that I had lupus. And so she knew I was coaching and she thought that, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, you know, maybe she can help me. Um, you know, and so after we had our consult and, you know, realizing that Lindsay is, so while it's both a blessing and a curse to be incredibly OCD, right? Like she, like, there are some things that like, it's great as a coach. I love when my clients are OCD about their macros, right? Like I love when a client can nail their macros on a daily basis, but the curse part of that is when they can't be perfect. And Lindsay talked about this. If they're not perfect, they're fucking off the rails, right? Right. It's like black or white. There is no, forget about gray, let alone let's make a nice little plaid pattern. Right, right. right. So I don't even like black, white, and gray. I like plaid. Let's let's just blend it all together. And so she was very black and white. She was either on point or when I say off the rails, it was like benching off the rails. Um, And so, you know, and... She sent me her pictures, um, so I think her competition weight had been around, I'm going to say in the low 130s. Um, when she came to me, she was in the 160s, which isn't necessarily horrible to be 30 pounds up from your stage weight. I mean, it's not, nece- but everybody's independent, right? Um but you could see the inflammation and the puffiness in her pictures. Yeah. Like you could just see an unhealthy, unhappy person in these pictures. Um, so she had been diagnosed with, with blood tests, right? So this was, you know, so mono, she's active with uh, uh, the Epstein-Barr virus um, and active with lupus. And um, so the first thing that we did, and she talked about this, is so so – God bless her. And, and you know, and, and I've had a lot of clients, actually. I'm sure you have, too. It's just like, well, I'm going to train seven days a week, and I'm going to be in right. the gym 
two hours, three hours a day, and I'm going to do all the cardio, and I'm just going to train, 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 train. Well, more is not always better, especially when you're dealing with mm-hmm. an anti-inflammatory disease, right? So the first thing we did, and and and, then, and you know, in her mind, it was what we have figured out. It's it's almost like, and I can relate to this. I'm mad at you, body, so I'm going to beat you in, into submission. So you're not doing what I want, so I'm going to break you down, right? So it's like, I need to be able to do this thing, and you're not cooperating, so I'm going to... It's like the abusive parent, right? Mm-hmm. You're not doing what I'm telling... Or the abusive spouse. You're not doing what I'm telling you. You just want to beat the shit out of you. And so you get abusive with your own body when it stops... Um, behaving the mm-hmm. way you want it to, the way you need it to, the way you expect it to. So that's kind of where she was. Um, so the first thing we did was, like, we reduced her training volume from, like, six days a week and, like, two to three hours a day in the gym to, like, four days a week of training. She was doing, like, four exercises a day. Um, and really low sets, really low reps, but we got into, like, really focusing on... Um, how uh, how she was connecting with the reps, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of just what we call, so what her and I now call junk volume, right? Um, it we were really making some quality, you know, right. training. Um, so yeah, more is not always better. So that's right. the, that that's the concept the, with that. That was one of the quotes that I I wrote down as I was listening to her story. Is you know more isn't better. Better is better. Better quality and, over quality and, over quantity. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens. Often is, yeah, people mistake, like you said, mistake doing more as a solution to the problem. But if you're doing more and you're getting worse results, mm-hmm. and I do it myself, right? Like like you said, you do it. I do it myself. That you just think, well, then I must not be doing enough. And that's where she said getting a coach, where she realized she needed a coach because she needed another set of eyes, another Somebody without, well, you kind of have a vested interest, but another set of eyes to say, okay, listen, like that's, try this instead. Because again, she's talked in there about how, and I completely understand this, as she started to have these misfires in her body, she got depression and blamed herself. Mm-hmm. And you know, I went through that myself with, you know, I have an autoimmune disease with my lungs and twice have had near-death experiences with pneumonia after, directly after marathons and blamed myself, right? Like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong that, that allowed myself, I'm like, supposed to be this high-functioning athlete. Mm-hmm. How the fuck am I a high-functioning athlete if 10 minutes later I'm about to die? Right. And then it becomes this head game of devaluing yourself as a, as a person. Yep. Over a disease that, frankly, you can't. And then punishing yourself. And, and yeah, I mean, and emotionally punishing yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And that, I'm sure that's what played in a lot. You know, that becomes the depression side of it because now you're out of training. Your body's not responding. And you just go down this rabbit hole of clearly I'm not the athlete I thought I was or I wouldn't be sick. Right. And, it you know, it's a scary place to be. That was one of the first things she's – or I don't know. That was – but she talked about her story, and I could really understand that, that having an autoimmune disease or any type of sickness isn't your fault. Right. But, Most of the time. But I, you, think, but I think it's a normal response when you right. get diagnosed with anything, right? Right. Like cancer, autoimmune, or What could I have done to make a difference? Disease. Like, is it, like, and, yep. and so I know for me personally, it was like, fuck you. Right? Like, to my body. Fuck you. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do? Like, I'm supposed to be an athlete. Like, how... Why am I broken? Like, you know, like, seriously. Mm -hmm. Enough is enough kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So, yeah. So, I've been in the punish your body uh, aspect of it. I've been in the depression aspect of it. Um, So, just like you. Just like Lindsay. But what else did you get from her? Well, I'll tell you. The one... Probably the... Biggest takeaway of her whole story that I was like, oh, I've got to write this down. But at the end when she talked about now how she looks at her off season as an improvement season. Yep. And I've actually taken that term and I'm like, that is my new term of vocabulary mm-hmm. now. 
is no longer is it on season or off season. It's against on season or comp or prep or whatever and improvement season. Or buildings. So so we use building season a lot. Too. I think I'm going straight improvement. I like improvement. Improvement, building. Yeah. I will never you will never hear me use the term booking. Oh, God no. You will never I don't like off season. Um, because, you know, just like we don't use the term cheat meal, right? right? It's all just, it, you, you know, it's the connotation right. of what you're, you're putting out into the universe right. and that then you're going to believe it. Right. Right. Yeah. But I, I think that's such a better term of art for what you should do between competitions. Cause you're not just like even building, like that's very specific to just growing muscle, but your improvement season should be when you, you, you know, take a look at your overall health. Should mm-hmm. be when you work through all of these kind of emotional baggages or work through your story or it's just, it's a period of time to, you know, obviously improve your physique and your fitness, but there's so much more to it. And I think that that's really what Lindsay highlighted that, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, she was this phenomenal athlete on stage, but there was so much under the surface right? that, you know, had to be dealt with. Right. And I... I'm, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. Like I, I actually, so you just made a really good point, even between building season and improvement season, because, you know, when you're competing, regardless of the sport, right. Mm -hmm. When you're in training for your sport. Mm -hmm. So if you're in training for a marathon or you're in prep for your competition or whatever it is, you're in preseason for baseball, whatever your sport is, you're, Tunnel vision focused on that. Right. Tunnel vision right. focused. So, yep, relationships kind of, yep. and sometimes husbands and kids go, right. yep. and, you know, even the job goes, mm-hmm. right? And so your tunnel vision, this is your focus. And so your improvement season then, yeah. and I like what where you went with that because it is more than just building your body, right? right? So, because uh, I called it the building season, I think what you said is better, because now we got to work on all that other shit, right. right? So all the shit we neglected when we were tunnel vision focused for the last four to six months on our thing that we're going to do. Um, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm on board with that. Like, I, I can, just like I don't ever use cheat meals, like maybe I'll never use building season again. Yeah. I'll just call it an improvement season because it's not just improving your body. It's improving your health, your mind, body, spirit, right? Yeah. So all of those right. things, all the things in the uh, wellness wheel. Right. We'll, we'll get into that maybe some other <laughs> The wellness wheel. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And, and Lindsay, is, she's still learning and growing, right? She is, we are still in her improvement season. Sure. I mean, in every respect of the word. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was a great story. I loved, I loved hearing it and I loved just how articulate she was, but like how raw about her, her introspect and the retrospect of, of what she's done. So, so, so one thing I'll add uh, to her story, because I think it, it um, goes back to, I forget which episode, when we were talking about the binge eating, okay. and we were talking about what the actual definition of binge eating, it was just a couple episodes ago, if I remember, um, but, oh, you know, it was in, um, I'm not going to say the actual episode number, because I never remember them, but... It was when we were talking about when training and nutrition aren't enough, right. aren't okay. the right, right? So when that's sure. not the right thing. Sure. And that so. That was a different hotel room that we were It was in. a whole other <laughs> hotel. It was a different hotel room, but yes. Um, but she, so Lindsay is one that we threw around the term binge eating on a regular right. basis. And she talked about it in her, in her story. Um, and I will say there, she was clinical, def, clinically binge eating to the point where she was making herself sick or wanted to get sick. Um, and, but I, I will say that, you know, even though, you know, she was, when we got, when we got her on, like I said, she's, she's really OCD, which is great, but it also is her nemesis to the point where, you know, we're actually training and coaching her on how to have an untracked meal. Right. And it'd be okay. Right. To go out with, like, we had to get out of, because she talked about how she was either on or, like, mm-hmm. all, like legit, right. like, off off the rails. Right. So she was on or off the rails. And that's not a healthy place to be. No. So we've actually been working on 
specifically programming in untracked meals yeah. so that she can learn how to have an untracked meal without it being a binge experience, a guilt experience, um, without it causing her anxiety. That's she, disordered eating. It is. And she, and she is a high anxiety person. Yeah. Um, and so, so we're, so that we're literally specifically, so hitting her macros, not an issue for Lindsay. Like right. that is not a problem for this girl. Getting her to be able to relax without guilt right. and it becoming a binge or a crazy thing, that's what we're working on. So right. we're actually coaching her, right? This is actually what we're working on right now is coaching her through these these aspects. So it's it's really this really interesting reversal of what most people struggle with. Most people struggle with like, I can't stay on track with my macros and and we're trying to get her to be able to, like, really relax a little bit, right, with being able to go out with friends and it not be uh, turned into a binge experience, which she's actually gotten tremendously better with, or um, just to feel relaxed about it, right. to be able to go out and not have to overanalyze everything right. she's ordering and everything she's having and, 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 and those things, so... Um, you know, we had a, so, so I'll, I'll give a little interesting anecdote. So a couple months ago, and, and when I say she, this, she's rolling her long roll, like she's like 138 pounds, which is only like eight pounds up from her stage weight. And she just looks amazing and she's recovered amazing and she's training and like everything's amazing. And then I think we gave her a deload week. And we specifically programmed in some, eating protocols that were a little bit more relaxed and it just went off the cliff. And when I say off the cliff, it was off the cliff. And so it was back to, it was like a whole week of, of, um, because things were so unstructured for her because I specifically unstructured things for her. Um, and things went a little off the rails. And so, and then she ended up in a lupus flare because Mm. things went so off the rails. And so it took us, probably three to four weeks, almost a month to really get her back on track. Um, we tried a couple different training styles and we realized that certain training styles weren't going to work for her. Um, you know, working with like trying to like specific percentages of one rep max it just, it wasn't going to work. Um, lower volume work, just works really well for her. Very specific technique works for her. Um, so this is where, like, I think having a coach and realizing, like, okay, well, we tried this, and this works great for other clients, right? right? But that not right. for her. Um, and then just getting her back on track with her nutrition, and we've been back on track for probably about four or five weeks now, um, and her weight has stabilized, her lupus flares down, and she gets her numbers tested, like, every... I'm going to say like every three months or so. Um, and she's had some of her lowest numbers since she started, you know, the lower volume of training and all of these things. So, and the, the not binge, binge eating and, and things like that. So, and I think even kind of helping her understand the definition of binge eating, yeah. like went, went really, I think helped her quite a bit as well. Um, but really, so, so there's a lot of things going into this. And I think what's really interesting about Lindsay's story is that it's not just, here's your training and nutrition program. Right. Go do more cardio. Here's your training. Um, it's really been, I mean, for me as a coach, it's been a lot of, you know, trial and error yeah. and figuring and really understanding what she needs, right, right? as a person because what I can do for client A, B, C through Z, you know, F doesn't work for right. her. Um, and then, you know, working that out through her. And, you know, we've gotten into some, mi- so a lot of mindset stuff, right? Like I've given her some books to read, right? And um, and really kind of helping her see yeah. some other sides of things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's a cool story that probably a lot of people can relate to. You know, the, like when you're talking about the eating problems, it's the same thing as more isn't better. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the entire concept, be it somebody who's overeating and undertraining or undereating and overtraining or whatever combination. Black, just, you just know, anything it's all extreme or nothing. Is anything extreme. all or nothing. Right. And that is the opposite of really what you're trying to achieve. 
Mm-hmm. So, I, anyway, I I really thank her for sharing the story. I think people are going to get a whole lot out of it. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, and, for sure. And listen, um, thank you, Lindsay, again yes. for sharing your story. Um, incredibly brave of you, and I really do think you will help. You know. Brandy and I keep saying, like, with this this empowerment project, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, nobody cares about my story. You really have no yeah. idea, one, how cathartic it yes. is to tell your own story. And you don't know how many people yeah. you will impact. Look, I'll, I'll give it, let me just give it a super, super quick example. Way back when I first started competing. And so I think the reason why I am so incredibly open now, I think what really made me be the open person that I am when in 2000 I mean, back before when you were really shy, right? <laughs> Did and you, you know me then? And you've opened up since then. Yes. <laughs> Good. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> Anywho. I mean, when I was really shy, when I was a little girl, and I was really shy. Here we are. Okay. We're back. Um, seriously. So in back in 2004, 2005, when I first started competing, there was no, Facebook, there was no Instagram. We had the OCB chat boards. Yes. Yes. I think I've talked about these before. So it was me and sort of some OG bodybuilders, right? And um, and I remember watching, everybody was just like, people would like post their diets and their training. And this was my first time competing. And I remember like, I don't know, I'm going to say I like ate some blueberries I wasn't supposed to eat because <laughs> it wasn't on my, 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 my bro plan of like tilapia and asparagus and I felt really guilty because I ate shit I wasn't supposed to eat and I posted about it and people were like, you just don't want it bad enough and so blah, 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 blah. And I was like, fuck, there's something wrong with me. There's no way I'm going to make it in this world. And I was just like, hey, I'm just going to like share that. I ate some blueberries or, you know, whatever it was. I mean, it might have been M&M's at some point. There goes Brandy opening her beer again. Um, I just, I was like, I'm just going to be like, hey, I'm just going to put it out there. Like, I, maybe, maybe I'm not made for this sport, but I ate some fucking blueberries or whatever. I don't, I'm, I'm going to call right. it blueberries, but they might have been M&M's. <laughs> I don't they remember. Blue, it was 2005. Okay. They were blue M&M's. It was blue M&M's. M&M's. It was 2005. But... In that moment, I had so many, like, private inboxes, whatever we had back then with the fucking chat board, I don't remember, but I had several people message me and was like, oh my god, thank you for sharing, because I thought it was the only one. And so meanwhile, we're all sitting behind our screens thinking there's something wrong with us, right? because we're not strong enough, we're not good enough, we're not doing the right things, so we shouldn't be doing this sport. Like something's wrong with us. And I was like, fuck that shit. Like clearly there's more than one of us not, you know, following the diet to a T. Fuck that shit. Right. So, so at that moment I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to share everything. Like, you know what? If I, and I had struggled with binge eating and, um, you know, I, I can say I've overcome it. Like I don't, um, unconsciously like binge until I'm sick. Like, you know, like the, like the, can't physically stop. Right. So I, I don't have those episodes. If I want to eat the whole fucking bag of chips, I literally am just consciously choosing to eat the bag of chips and it is, and there's no guilt involved with it. And it's just what it is. Um, so anyway, no clinical binge eating anymore. I've learned, but that's, that's why I share. So my point is, I think it can be incredible incredibly cathartic to share it's the reason why i share besides the fact that i am really shy it helps me (laughs) fuck you brandy um but really it it helps me i share because it helps me and i am i because so this is my so honestly the podcast a lot of times or my facebook posts or whatever it is is instead of therapy this is my therapy thanks guys this is cheaper this is so much cheaper than me doing actual therapy I do therapy here. Um, I'm not asking you guys to do therapy, but I mean, I do think that sharing helps. Yeah. I, I really do. I mean, Brandy doesn't share as much, but if we, sometimes we get her to share and I think it helps her. She's getting better. I share. She's getting better. I think my problem is I can't remember half of what happened. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a story there, but I'm, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, very So we cool. want your stories. So we, we do want you guys to share because I... I Everybody has 
something that can help somebody else. Right. Absolutely. Everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hope everybody enjoys this first episode of our new season. And if you have a story you want to share, make sure you, um, you can send us a message on our Facebook page, coaching and cocktails discussion group or, uh, coaching in cocktails at gmail.com yes. um, or we'll be hunting you down for stories. Right, we'll just make, we'll <laughs> We're just going to make you send a story. <laughs> um, is that cool. it? That's Anything it? else? Nope. All right. So we're going to get some rest because tomorrow's a big day for the show. Maybe, who knows, our next podcast might be a show review. We'll see yep. how that goes. Um, tomorrow's the OCB Chesapeake Classic. Kudos going out to Bobby Cavino. You're a fucking amazing promoter. A cool dude. Your wife is awesome. Good luck on your pregnancy. You right. guys are awesome. Um, thank you for what you're doing. Tomorrow's going to be an awesome day. And don't get weird. Use your head. It'll all be okay. Bye. Bye.